Welcome to the podcast Studio Stein, Inspiring Leadership. I learned in my life the importance of being inspired by others and to be surrounded by people who bring you new insights and perspectives. That is the way to grow as a leader and human being in challenging and changing times. In these podcast series, I bring you the latest innovations on personal development and leadership told from business managers, CEOs, spiritual leaders, and people who live their true story. So honored, so pleased, and so excited that to have you here in uh, my show today as a guest. You're uh, calling from you from Sweden, me from Brussels. So very nice to meet you, and we got Thank to know each other uh, uh, at the Eros Mystery School with uh, Dr. Mark Govney, and we had some interesting conversations. So I really appreciate it that you're in my show today. And I would like to give you a little bit more background about you, Ted, before we dive into the topic. Uh, because in his early years, Ted was a movie director and producer in Hollywood, Bollywood, the Middle East, and Europe. And in, after this movie career, he became the creative director for WeWork to launch social campaigns. He was the CEO of Time Republic, a global digital time bank, where he discovered his passion for guiding colleagues through obstacles and supporting others to reach new heights. And so Ted decided to begin a clinical practice in feeling management and manifestation, combining multiple disciplines he had studied over the years. Taoism, quantum mechanics, psychology, restorative justice, justice circles, design system thinkings. And when he became a visiting scholar at the Stanford Peace Innovation Lab, he dove into the topic of man and masculinity, where he created the Quantum Warrior, and that is an organization to scale the reach of men's circles and spread the lessons learned from this work. And he brought even these circles to the United Nations Global Health Desk. So welcome, uh, Ted. We will dive into the topic of uh, communication, dialoguing, um, having circles, men's uh, circles. So I'm really, really pleased that you're here. Thank it's you. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you so much, Stan. Yeah. And well, my first question would be, Ted, um, you have a very impressive background. And I also know that you're writing a book about how to getting fired. Can you tell us a little bit about how about your background and how you came to do what you're doing now? Sure. Um, I don't know if it's impressive, but I will say one thing is I'm very, very good at getting fired. And so I feel like if you're really good at something, it's then then you can write a book about it. And and I, yeah, I would yeah, yeah. believe I'm I'm one of the world's experts on getting fired. Mm. Uh, so um where should I start? Um or maybe just just by what are the reasons for you getting fired so yeah. many times? Well, I would say this. I have come to see that I have a unique gift, as does everybody. My unique gift, as best as I can tell, and I think we're always trying to figure it out more and more as we go along, but as best as I can tell, my unique gift is to see the bugs in the human operating code or the bugs in the things around us that aren't really working. Mm. And, and when I'm conscious... That can be a really great gift and I can use it as I do in my coaching practice to reflect back to people the code 
that isn't serving them any longer. And then we can create new code because mm. we can say, well, that code once served us, but no longer serves us. And we call those bugs, but, but there's a negative aspect to bugs, which I don't think is necessary. There's, there, are, there are certain codes that were once useful. They're no longer useful. Mm. When I'm unconscious, that gift turns into a bit of a shadow and I get upset and angry in response to seeing things that don't fit and, and I become righteous and a little bit revolutionary about trying to change those things. But rather than trying to change them from a place of love, I'm really trying to change them from a place of fear. And of course, mm. when you change things from a place of fear, you create more fear. And when people are afraid, they fire you. They call it anger, okay. but it's really fear. Yeah. So how, how was that? It, it took you a long time to discover your true gift. And what was the moment that you realized now, this is my gift? Was that a particular moment in your life that you had a, this aha moment? Or was it just more a linear process of getting there? Or how, how was that for you? Because a lot of people struggle with this. I don't feel right or I'm not in my right spot and I don't know where I belong. And a lot of people struggle with these issues those days. So it would be really nice if you can reflect a little bit on how this process went for you. Absolutely. Well, first, I would say that the process is one that I'm still in mm. and I think it's something that ends. But I do think it's something that gets more and more precise as you go along. And I think in some ways we might think of it as a direction on a compass. Any direction on a compass has a number, you know, north by there's so, or you might start with letters north by northwest, but eventually you get to north 37 degrees. I don't know if that's the right number, but let's say 37 degrees. And of course, if it's 37 degrees, it could be 37.3798 and it, and it can go on and on and on. There's an infinite amount of specificity that can be created in a direction. Even though a direction is something you don't reach, which is something that I work on often with clients is I'm not very interested in goal-oriented activity. I'm much more interested in intention setting in order to manifest. And the reason is because goals can only be achieved in one fashion, the way that you chose to set the goal. So for example, if the goal is to win an Academy Award, the only way to win an Academy Award is to win an Academy Award. And of course, the problem with that is the goal isn't really to win an Academy Award, it's to get whatever you think you get from winning an Academy Award. And it's almost always the case that whatever it is you thought you were going to get from achieving your goals is not what you get. Because we think we know what we want, and we actually have no idea. What we do know is we know the experience we want to have. Mm. And there's a fundamental difference between those two things. Yeah. Do, do we mix that up, do you think, in these days to... When we think I, I want a new car, I want this or that, that we don't know anymore how it feels. And so we are a little bit disconnected from what we actually want in life. Absolutely. I would say it's 
are we disconnected from what we want in life? Right, I would, what's our true value? Well, I, I would say this. I would say there is a fundamental difference between what we want and what we need. Mm, that's a good one. Want is to get what we need. Mm. And that's the problem is that we don't actually try to meet our needs. We try to get what we want. And we are almost always wrong about what we want to such a degree that you that often it's the case that when we get what we want, that's the worst thing that could possibly happen. Mm. For a couple of reasons. One is because now that you actually have achieved what you thought you wanted and it doesn't bring you the happiness or whatever it is that you thought it was going to bring you, that there's a, a level of despair that's created that's di really difficult to deal with. And that's something I deal with a lot with my clients. Most of my clients have been people who have been quite successful in, let's say, win-lose metrics and rival-risk conflict, the old story. Mm -hmm. They made a lot of uh, financial success. And now they're trying to figure out what they want to do next because the financial success was a goal that they thought would lead to all kinds of things. And it didn't solve a lot of things because it doesn't ultimately align with their heart. It's, it's what they want, what they think they wanted, but not what they needed. Yes. Yeah. So how, how can we find out what we need? How, how, how do we do that? Sure. What's your opinion on that? Well, so why don't I try to first... Because we, we, we might think what we need, but is it really what we need? Because we think it. Sure. I would say that the first question you asked, which is, how did I come to find that this was my unique... Mm -hmm. And let me say that it is my unique gift and there's more specificity to be had. There's an infinite more... There's an infinite more, um, uh, there's infinite more resolution, higher resolution to be had on what it means to say, I see the bugs and, you know, and when I'm conscious, I'm able to use those bugs to support people because, well, we can get more specific than that. There's, there's, there's infinite levels of, of more specificity. Um, but what I would say is that we need, or, or, or what we need is to continue to clarify our unique gift. And I would say that, and I'm borrowing some of uh, Dr. Rabbi Mark Gaffney's words because he has used language that has clarified, which is one of his words, clarified some of the things I've been thinking for quite a long time and given me language, which actually makes it even more specific, precise, and able to be transmitted. Mm. So- One thing I would always say is that we're trying to have higher resolution and that's perfectly nice and it's a good metaphor, but clarification or bringing clarification, I think is actually a better way to think about it. Clarifying, I think means more to people than raising resolution. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, that's, it, so how do you do that? Clarifying. What's, yeah. is, is that is that living the life or living living the needs so for me i noticed that 
well, getting fired was really helpful for clarifying because mm-hmm. at one point, well, okay. So I'll, I'll speak about one particular firing. I was at uh, Digitas and I was working, it was an advertising firm and I was working with the team that had created Small Business Saturday for American Express, which was a holiday basically created by an advertising firm for a brand. And they even got Obama involved. They actually created a national holiday, which is kind of an amazing thing marketing companies to do. Can you imagine if marketing companies actually focused on something useful or important, what they could do? If they can make national holidays, what they could do if they actually focused on something useful. But we can talk about that another time. Um, So I was working with this brilliant team. I mean, the people who came up with that was a great idea. Now, I'd much rather them go to the Middle East and try to figure out how to handle uh, uh, peace and reconciliation between different countries that, you know, like uh, uh, Israel and Palestine or, or, mm. or, or things like this. But whatever, it's more important to, you know, sell American Express cards. And um, I was asked to work with that team. And at first, it seemed like they wanted social impact and this sort of thing, or they wanted something, you know, interesting and new and, and whatever. Um, and one day, I went outside with my boss and she said, listen, you can't make every new business pitch about social impact. And I was like, why not? And her response was, because it's not what the client, it's not always what the client wants. Now, what I thought in my head at that moment If I had just said it, I would have been fired then instead of two weeks later, which probably would have been better. But what I thought in my head was, who the fuck cares what the client wants? Like, Mm -hmm. I couldn't even understand why we would care what the client wants when the truth of the matter is that American Express was giving us money and we had an opportunity to take that money and do something useful with it until they noticed, you know, and this not take their money, do something useful with it. They'll notice and then they'll stop you. But, you know, at least you'll have done something useful. Of course, that's not how advertising works. <laughs> I'm very clear that I was in the wrong business. So, um, and so, so that's an example of of a clarification. It's it's if you don't care what the client wants, don't be in advertising. Very clear. Well, what do I care about? Well, I care a lot about the relationship I have with my partner at this advertising firm because. I'm interested in him and I like working with him and I like supporting him. And so I started to see, well, this is what matters to me. This is much more interesting. That's where I sort of realized, oh, wow, I've been coaching all this time. Even when I was at WeWork, I had a whole team of people and really I was coaching them. I didn't care that much about the product as much as I cared about the people around me, which aligned better with their product because at least their product is about community. You know, American Express is not about I think it's safe to say that. I don't think they'd be upset. I don't think that's off-brand. <laughs> I so, think they so, uh, they are predatory uh, lending system that is destructive and 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 terrible for the world. That they might be upset by. Yeah. So how would you how would you consider your gifts as a, an answer to your needs? So I would say that I have a need. 
Well, let's take a step back. I was just listening to last week's One Mountain, Many Paths. Mm. Questions he asks. What I love, what I really loved about the unique self evaluation that they were going through was that it was very similar, but high, but, but more clarified than a tool that I built myself for my clients, which is called passion purpose built for Mm. their tool, which is similar, but adds some new dimension, which I really love. So I can now use both was I forget if they call, I think they call it the core wound. They ask you, what's your, what's your core wound? And I was thinking about it yesterday. And what I came to see is that I'm pretty sure, although I think I need more work on the, think about this more, but I'm pretty sure my core wound is I'm not capable of taking care of myself and therefore I'm not safe. I'm not safe because I can't protect myself or I can't, take care of myself in this world. And part of the reason is because, well, I don't know what the reason is exactly. I, mean, I think that's more complicated and we don't need to get into a whole psychological uh, question about my parents and what have you, but I'm, I'm an only child. And what's funny is in Sweden, they say, you're a lonely child. And my answer and my response when I first heard that, when I got to Sweden was, well, yes, but how do you know that? And they really mean only child, but they only have one word for it. And I started That's to- interesting. Yeah, I thought that was very interesting. And I think because I'm an only child and because my parents are much older than I am, like two generations older than I am, and a bunch of other reasons, I've really spent my whole life trying to create community and tribe around me to not be alone. Hmm. I would. I, can I? Can I say something that because that is something really wonderful. How you turn your core wounds into your passion and into your unique gift of connecting people, and not staying in your wound as something as a victim or something that happened to you, but you turned around the whole mental process of being lonely and and uh, sitting just sitting with it and not doing anything about it but you turn it around into creating even in your and maybe you can go to that one into your last company the quantum warrior into connecting people that is really beautiful you know wow on the on good days yeah really true on bad days I'll get into a fight about politics or uh, get angry about uh, uh, what I see as a very totalitarian kind of uh, mm. things in, in, in the recent times. Um, and I'll lose that really, this is my core wound looking for connection. Okay. And is that, is that um, the continuous clarification you need for for yourself or everybody needs for yourself is if you know what your core wound is is a clarification about how to deal with it and how i can converse it into something beautiful that serves the world and serves others is that the kind what we would describe as clarification i believe so and i'll tell you what my teacher 
I had a teacher for about 10 years, extraordinary. Mm-hmm. And as the shamans that I studied with uh, uh, from South America say, uh, from Lake Titicaca in South America, there's lots of shamans all over the world. That's why I want to be very specific. Um, you must throw your teachers in the fire. Mm. So I had to throw him in the fire and I have a tremendous amount of love and reverence and appreciation for him. And I had to throw him in the fire. What he said, which I really loved because it's so raw, is he said the way that your parents taught you things that were useful and helpful and, 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 and made you powerful in the world, that's nice. The way they fucked you up is your real opportunity. Mm. That is your unique opportunity. I'm using unique a lot more now. I think I, I, I used it before, but I use it a lot more now because of the clarification that Dr. Rabbi Mark Gaffney has given around unique and unique, the, the um, unique, sorry, the infinite, uh, the infinite intimate which has a unique aspect to it. The intimacy has a unique aspect to it, but also because of course, unique self teachings and, and this sort of thing. So he said, you have an opportunity to take what would in essence be the core wound, or as he put it, the way your parents fucked you up and transmute it into your unique medicine to give to the world Mm. all a gift if we're talking in a healing space which i think in some ways we're always talking in a healing space playing with that i'm not exactly sure but but on some level isn't a gift always some kind of medicine i don't know i'm I'm, i've been thinking about that i'm not sure Mm. i think so and the reason you have a unique ability to give that gift and and and, a, and an ability to create a unique medicine is the same idea that comes behind a vaccine not the recent vaccine because that's a different technology but the old vaccines mm-hmm. where we give you a little bit of the thing that could kill you and because we only give you a little bit of it your body learns how to handle it. And so if you are able to survive this unique core wound and bring it forth, you have a little bit of that toxin and you can then share that toxin with others, but you can share it with them in such a way that they can actually handle it. Mm. Another way to say that, and this might be a big jump, but I'll throw it out there anyway is the circles I keep for men, the best metaphor I have for what's actually happening is seven or eight men line up in front of a well and they hold a rope and the man at the front gets tied in with the rope 
and we lower him down into the well, into the shadow, into the darkness, into whatever you want to call it, into the unconscious, into the belly of the beast. But we lower him slowly with intention, with the safety of the rope, and we're all holding the rope together. Finds whatever he wants to find, and he brings it up, and he shares it with the rest of us. And now it's not dangerous, whereas he, if he had gone to the well by himself, he might fall down the well. He might be trying to climb on the well by himself. It could be dangerous, what have you. But now he can tolerate bringing that darkness, that shadow up and sharing it with the rest of us. And then he goes to the back of the line and he holds the rope, goes down. I, I, I like this I like this uh, metaphor, although I, I can imagine that for a lot of people, it is pretty scary. Who wants to dive into a well? Well, I would, because it's nice to discover new parts of yourself, old parts. And, and, and... But I noticed that it is um, uh, a lot of the wells with people are cemented. You know, they, they, they have put already a lot of cement on it. So it's a tough and a hard job and sometimes even uh, too hard to even open it because they have closed the well. Absolutely. And how, if, how would how, how, how would you react to that if you say, OK, I want to go, but uh, no, there's it's, certainly there's concrete on it. Certainly. Part of the answer is when it's your turn, you're allowed. So there are three rules. You you, you only talk when you have the talking piece. You could say now, now the, we are going into just for the listener into the how you hold space for in a man's circle. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Deep circle in 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 yeah. circle. Yeah. In a, in a, in which, a, which is I, by the way, if I may, uh, that's very interesting for any leaders who wants to go and uh, communicate in a very profound and deep way with their with their with their um, staff or whatever. Let's go ahead. Yeah. Yes, so and I will having a circle with men. Yeah, and I'll also say, just to give it a frame, okay. although in the past, and I still do, work with the individuals that I described who are sort of in between mm -hmm. the old world and the new world or the old story and the new story, what I've started to do is be a relationship coach for C-suites or a relationship coach for founders or a relationship coach for leadership teams because what I came to see in companies is that the most important element for the success of a company mm -hmm. is the health of the relationship between its leaders. And yet we put almost no attention or work into supporting that relationship as if that relationship should simply thrive on its own. Yeah. And I think it's quite clear that humans are not that good at keeping relationships thriving all by themselves. And so we need tools 
We need support. We need the tribe. We need a village. We need all these different things. And the other thing I think we need is we need circle. And circle, this tool that I learned, which is an extraordinary tool, I've been bringing it into companies. You got, um, uh, you're not uh, clear, you're, you're out of focus. Yeah. Okay. Oh, it's okay. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I bring it into companies, to the, to the C-suites, to the, to the mm -hmm. teams, because this gives them an opportunity to focus on those relationships and really keep those relationships thriving. Now, back to your question, what if the well is cemented closed? That is what the circle keepers, I don't want to say primary job, but one of the primary jobs of the circle keeper is to model what it looks like mm -hmm. down into that well. Mm. But it's also the case that when you get the talking piece, you're always allowed to pass. Yeah. You go down as deep as you want, including not deep at all. And the beauty is, as people go down deeper and deeper, each person, you basically open up the well. So if somebody goes down six feet and they come back and they say, at six feet, it looks like this. You go, okay, well, then I can go to six feet. And then someone goes down to 50 feet and you go, wow, I can go down to 50 feet. And you keep opening the well. A good circle keeper will open the well, but they won't open it to 10,000 feet if everybody else is up here because yeah. that will overwhelm people. So it's about calibrating around the people in the space to allow them to push their edge without overwhelming them to the point where they can't mm. the wisdom. Another way to say that is when you fight the dragon to get the gold, the knowledge, the wisdom, if the dragon's too big, or you take on a dragon that's too big, it will kill you, and then you will not get the gold. But if you take on a dragon reasonable for what you're trying to accomplish, but it's a stretch, then that will allow you to get the wisdom that you're looking for. I think you mentioned something very important that is... Um... And I think that's that might be uh, a better way of people not convincing them, but maybe attracting them to open up the concrete or go into the well, is because there is wisdom below. There is not only your core wound or, or uh, fear or uh, disasters. You come back with wisdom. And I think something very important you said in this, because it is... Um, the purpose of, of going into your well is not just because going into the well of going into the well for the sake of going into the well it is for bringing up the wisdom that is inside of you unexplored and unidentified wisdom and to bring that into light absolutely mm. Their added bonus 
is in addition to finding the wisdom for yourself by speaking your truth and by connecting to a truth that maybe you didn't even know you had. Yeah. You're also gifting the others. Yeah. And all of a sudden you are gifting the others with such a powerful medicine. It's healing for you as well to simply be somebody who is gifting others with that wisdom. Yeah, I love that aspect. Uh, and I, I think we can relate it a little bit to um, when Mark Gavney talks about line energy and circle energy, you know, the directive parts going into the well or going to search for your wisdom is not something only for you. It is in search or in service for the whole, for the whole communion and something to, to be shared. Because what I notice sometimes when people go into their courses, they want to keep it very close only for them and not share it while it is just a beautiful gift and a beautiful pre present that you can give others um, as, as a kind of, um, that's why I love this, this, this show to, 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 uh, to share and to explore and, and 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 to share the wisdom we have and also the pain of course but mm, absolutely beautiful and to speak to the circles and lines it's a spiral yeah and of course circle and line together make spiral um and a good circle keeper will keep the spiral going down so that people can get deeper and deeper and that they'll continue to move in such a way that they don't feel that they're falling to the next level. Mm. So if you would say that listeners that, uh, that work in companies are, they, they might say, well, this is way too deep for, for me to do on, on the, on the professional level. No, I like, I would like to keep it a little bit separate. Uh, my personal development and my more professional development. How do, would you combine it when you say, well, we need to have thriving relationships and still in, in workspaces or and also in, 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 in private spaces and yet still respect the boundaries each person has, yet it is also necessary on professional um, places. How, what, what are your reflections on that? It's a great question. Mm sometimes well really what you're asking which is kind of the ultimate question not the it's an, an ultimate question how much intimacy can we stand at work yeah beautiful yeah i love that i love that yeah and on some level we can't stand much and we don't stand enough and our workplaces are seriously lacking intimacy. Yeah. They're also lacking intimacy because they live in win-lose metrics and rivalrous conflict. Mm. I mean, that's ultimately what the problem is, right? If you, if you have a workplace which is win-lose metrics and rivalrous conflict, how can much you, uh, can you elaborate a little bit on the win lose matrix and just for the list just very briefly sure let me take a step back and then we'll come yeah. 
that. Yeah, please. The step back I want to take is to answer your question. In a circle for men, I might ask, who have you not forgiven in your life? Mm. That's not appropriate for a workplace. No. What I would ask in a workplace is, how do you see the vision of this product? Or what do you see us trying to accomplish here? And what I've found happens is that people hear each other's vision that they thought they knew and they come to realize they absolutely didn't. And now they have a depth to it, but there's more to it than that. It's not just that they share their vision. What they share is their story around the vision. Mm. Really understand someone else's story. Then they really start to integrate with each other. Yeah. Because the story behind their vision is what matters most. It's not really the vision. It's why they have the vision. It's what the vision means to them. And when you start speaking it into a room and everyone starts to hear everyone else, oh, you're here because your grandfather led to and, you know, and they start to have this sort of understanding of why other people are there. It builds empathy. And empathy mm. is a really powerful tool to be able to handle a lot of the problems that come up in a workplace. Now, that's one way of doing things. The other way of doing things is sometimes I have founders who are fighting with each other. And then we have a conflict circle, which is a fundamentally different thing. In a conflict circle, although you use the same tool in the same way, you ask different questions. And it's much more about not interrupting each other. A talking piece keeps you from interrupting. That's the first thing. But the second thing is, it asks you to speak from your own experience in the present moment, not to tell why the other person's wrong. Mm. That's not actually welcome in circle. Your opinion, your analysis, your facts and data aren't welcome in circle. That's not, they're not used there. They're used elsewhere and they're necessary. Mm but they're not in circle. And so when there's conflict and people are trying to speak on the data, the way I think about it is this, you have a river and at the mouth of the river, it opens up and all of the data and all the information is at that place. And we spend a lot of time there. But if you go up river, you'll see that there's an emotional thing happening long before it gets down to the data. And most people, not most people, often I hear people are speaking in the data channel, but they're actually dealing with emotions through data. Mm. They went up into the emotions. The emotions are a place where we connect so we can hear each other. Okay. But connect. Because if everyone is in their amygdala and not in their prefrontal cortex, they can't hear each other anyway. So yes, you're having a conversation where one person, you're trying to make each other right and wrong and all this kind of stuff. And you're using the data to prove you're right. But the truth is 
Well, one thing I learned at WeWork, this was a big thing I learned at WeWork, is if you're right, you're wrong. Mm. If you're wrong, you're wrong. And if you try to collaborate, you might create something together. Or another way to put that is you can be right or you can be married, but you can't be both. Or you can be right or you can be in relationship, but you can't be both. Because if you're right, they're wrong, and you're in relationship with somebody who's wrong, nobody wants to be wrong. That's not. And that's not that there aren't right, right and wrong answers. That's to say, before you start talking about who's right and who's wrong, you must connect first. Yeah. Spend so much time offline from each other where we can't connect, but yet we're still passing all this data back and forth as if we can hear because we're rational beings, which isn't true. What we think we are. We like, to, we, we, we like to believe it because it's easier. We don't, um, or people might think it's easier to stay away from the emotion. Yes. Mm. Yes. Beautiful. Well, it's, 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 it's really great when you said when um, the quote that you mentioned, when you're right, you're wrong. And, it's it's in a way also if I if I may uh, a good representation of the win lose matrix that you mentioned before, either someone wins and the other one loses. You're right or you're wrong, and there is never at the end there is no winner at all. Or maybe everyone can win depending on what you mean by winning. Well, I believe that at, uh, at the end, when we step out of this matrix, when we are truly connecting and you're truly working, seeing the gift in each other and what everybody is respecting and honoring and uh, working with every unique gift that's in the room or in your village or in your family, you're thriving and you, you can only go to something that is in in favor of everybody that's in service of everybody maybe in the moment not but maybe in in a later stadium you will you might reflect like i i learned a lot of it and i, I like the quote of nelson mandela who once said i never lose either i learn or i win mm. so there, there 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 is no lose losing situation it, it doesn't exist yeah, I think it exists. Yes, I, I think that's true. I also think that so it it brings up. There's a book called Finite and Infinite Games, mm. and I think it's one of the best books ever written and the, one of the most important books I've ever read. And what it says is that there are two kinds of games we play: finite games and infinite games. An infinite game is a game you play. Let's start with a finite game. A finite game is a game you play. There are winners and losers, and it ends. And everyone is who the winners and losers are. An infinite game is a game you play to keep playing. It never ends. And the object of the game is to be surprised. And so I think that's what we're speaking about. Yeah. I love the idea of, of this infinite game because it's it's 
it it appeal, appeals on your curiosity and on just always keep being open-minded towards new stuff and 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 learnings and others certainly yeah. another way it is to stay in the present moment yeah Because present moment there's surprise in this you know as dr joe dispenza puts it in the generous present moment is where mm and everything is happening and everything in the past that you're bringing forth and everything that you're creating into the future, not your imagination into the future, but everything you're creating into the future from the past is really just taking you out of this present moment. But the other way that I've spoken about it is we think we want to win, but we actually want to belong. And when we win, We don't belong. Beautiful. If we win, we don't belong. Yeah. Because belonging means being in an infinite game. Mm. Not playing the win-lose metrics and rivalrous conflict. Because you can't belong if there are losers. Yeah. So play by playing your unique gifts, by definition, you belong. By sharing your unique gifts, does it make you belong? I think in the long run, it will lead you toward belonging. Mm. But it's possible, you know, as it says in the Bible, don't cast pearls before swine. It's possible that you're, you're, you're sharing your unique gift with the wrong people. That's mm -hmm. possible. In which case, you belong. So it depends. I mean, it really depends. Are you all playing the same kind of game? Uh, it's, it's, it's very interesting what you said. Can you share your unique gift with the wrong people? That's a great question. Because in, I, I, would, I would say if we, if we mean it in very practical terms, yeah, yes, yeah, 100%. if we mean it in the most, you know, esoteric understanding of it, of course not. Mm. Because on some level you would say, well, it's not your unique gift if you're not sharing it with the right people. Yeah. The gift needs to be received. And if you're not sharing it with the right people, it's not your unique gift. Yeah. However, we go back to the idea that you only have as much clarification as you have around your unique gift. So what I would say is that the level of clarification that you have around your unique gift, which is not infinite, most likely, can, can be shared with the wrong person. Yeah. Now, it's probably because you don't have more clarification with it. In which case you not to share it with, but for example, trying to coach and create uh, group cohesion in an advertising company is the wrong place to do it. Yeah, that's why I got fired. <laughs> so you have to, or you have to find your place of resonance where your gifts resonates and it is received. 
I think there's a lot of truth to that. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Otherwise, there is a lesson learned. Unless, and, and the lesson learned is maybe clarifying your gift even more. Yeah. Yeah. Other way to think about it, which I've, I've always thought is so interesting, is that so when we built, when, 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 when I ran the global digital time bank, I won't get into time banking. It's way too complicated. And it's also incredibly simple, but we won't get into that. Yeah, no. When I ran the, the, the global digital time bank, our biggest problem was exactly the opposite to what you would expect from human nature. We had too many people who wanted to give and not enough people who wanted to receive. We had so many people who wanted to do things for other people mm -hmm. and people who would allow, allow people to do, who, who, would, who, would, who would accept people doing things for them. And we would think it would be exactly the opposite, but it's so fascinating, right? And if you think about it, one of the stories we tell is that people are selfish and they only want things to come to them. They don't want to give. I think this is false. I think it's a, I think it's a bad narrative or a bug, but I also think it's borne out in the biochemistry, when you receive something from someone, when you get a gift, you get dopamine, which is nice. Yeah. Dopamine's nice. When you give something, you get oxytocin. Way better. Way, way, way better. Mm -hmm. The oxytocin is a feeling of belonging and connection. It's the, it's the drug that's released in your body or the chemical that's released in your body when a mother is breastfeeding, the mother and the child have oxytocin releasing in their body, creating bonding and connection and a, a deep feeling of creation with the world. I mean, I think this is why MDMA has become such a popular drug because it's giving you, uh, I believe, an oxytocin hit yeah. and, and opening your heart in essence. Whereas it's not that cocaine has not been a, 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 a uh, it's doing pretty well in the market, <laughs> but nonetheless, it's, 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 it's something that, that is that, that, well, here's a perfect example. People don't get addicted to MDMA that I'm aware of um, or as easily, let's say, because it's oxytocin. You feel connected and you feel belonging. Yeah. Maybe when you come down from it, you need to feel connected and belonging again. I'm not sure. But cocaine or social media, which I call anti-social media because I'm not going to advertise for them. That's just a marketing ploy to call it social media. It's not so. So all of those dopamine hitting things, you simply need more dopamine. So really, it actually leaves you in a lack, a bit of a lack. You hit the dopamine, you need more dopamine. Yeah. And so when you get something from someone, it's nice, but then you need more. When you wow. give something to somebody as best as i can tell you get an oxytocin hit now you feel a sense of connection and belonging mm -hmm. so it's actually in the biochemistry that we want to give it's a better deal yeah and it's 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 really nice that you say that and just for the lis listener it doesn't have to be always that big 
you know, just giving nice words, gentle words um, of love. Uh, doesn't always have to be a car or something materialistic. It's even more giving in a way of empathy. And when you when you can truly connect in an authentic way, you know, it, it's, it's, it doesn't make any sense just to say you look nice because you, you want something. But the, I would like to add the unconditional giving. You know, you just give just pure out of um because you want you want to give and you don't want anything back i mean if something comes back it's okay but the unconditional living giving is i think what really produces the true oxyt oxytocin the authentic one the the most purest one that's fascinating yeah. i i think you're actually that if you give I don't consider it gifting or giving if, if, if you're yeah. a agenda, but let's just say if you give with an agenda or share yeah. with agenda, then I would imagine you're right that the, you do not get an oxytocin hit because there's a manipulative aspect to it. And so exactly. we're not really bonding, which is a finite game to win, lose metrics and rivalries. Well, Ted, I'm looking at the time here, and I think we can continue for uh, two more hours, but we have we have to close. So I, I have a final question for you. Sure. If that is if that is okay for you. Uh, well, we have you you have with your latest company, the Quantum Warrior, um, and you do men's circles. I've been doing it for for four years as well, and I find it a beautiful, beautiful gift. Uh, that you can give to to men to to join a circle like that. So, my yeah. last question would be: um, Sorry to interrupt. Let me just clarify yeah. one thing. Yeah. I call it a circle for men, specifically yeah. not men's circles, because I've been in men's work, and mm -hmm. men's circles are great, and they're fundamentally different than a mm -hmm. because a circle for men is a circle in which men are joining to do circle work. Oh, which yeah. is a very specific kind of work, which is fundamentally different than men's work. I just yeah. wanted to put it there. Yeah, no, great. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying that. So what could can you advise or what would be your tip to the modern man to allow themselves to find their unique gifts? Mm, that's a great question. And I'm going to answer yeah. in such a way that I'm also answering this question for myself. Mm. Also looking to clarify my unique gift. I would say that the, the shamans that I was speaking about earlier, they told me that when a man, that, that a man from the time that he's 25 to the time that he is 50 is in battle bringing home the spoils of war. If he chooses, he goes through the long dark night of the soul. Mm. He ends up on the other side as a wise man from 50 to 100, a wise man who is in service. As best as I can tell, the best, one of the best ways to clarify your unique gift is to find ways 
to move the roles in your life, and this is a question we ask in Quantum Warrior, and this is sort of the basis of Quantum Warrior, is how do we get across that long, dark night of the soul for the different roles in our life? As a father, as a husband, as a lover, as an entrepreneur, whatever it is, how do we get across that long, dark night of the soul and go from the battle, which in most cases is an ego battle, into service where we're giving, as you said, giving without expectation because usually well all the support from this side and from the audience to you that thank you very much i appreciate it thank you thank you wonderful to sit with you and i will uh yeah thank you very much for listening to studio stain if you want more inspiration just go to my website studiostain.com or go to the Spotify website, iTunes, on Inspirational Leadership. You can also share this podcast with others who might benefit from listening to these inspirational talks. Thank you very much, great people.